T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. All right, on this Wednesday evening, we come your way on this July 22nd. Take you right up until 7 o'clock, the last day before baseball. So unless something crazy happens, baseball will begin tomorrow. I'll have a show right before the Yankees tomorrow for a half hour before the uh, Yankee pregame. The program this evening, as always, brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, brought to you by those who drink it. So we have a, a full hour tonight, and we'll get a chance to get some calls in. Tomorrow night we only have a really short show, so uh, before the first game. So if you want to get in on any topic, whatever it is, baseball starting tomorrow, what's going on with Woody Johnson, uh, Betts getting a big contract. Listen, Betts is a really good player. He's a dependable player. He's a... Very good all-around player. He's a very good modern player. He's uh, the kind of guy you want to build a team around. Uh, does everything right. Works hard. De- plays defense. You know, fills up the box score. Does everything. So gets himself a very big contract. So and now he's locked up. Now none of those contracts are any good. Yeah, no twelve-year contract is ever going to work completely for the team, but. What you're hoping is you win enough, he produces enough, you build around him long enough that it works out in the first eight years of the contract, and then you'll live with the backside of the contract at a time when the dollars are at least, if not significantly less in terms of inflated dollars at the time, at least they're not as painful as they are right now in terms of overall uh, roster allocation and everything else. What the roster is going to look like, what it's going to cost to pay a baseball player, what everything is going to look like in 12 years is very hard to tell right now. So you don't know how much it's going to hurt. You hope not as much because you figure that the prices keep going up, and they do. Like everything else, the prices keep going up. So from that standpoint, that's how you play these deals. Listen, with the players of this magnitude, they get these contracts. I'd much rather give it to a dependable player, a guy who plays a lot, a guy who fills up the box score. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, four straight years of 
big-time defense, 100 runs scored, 40 doubles, significant power, not crazy power, but, you know, 30 homers twice, more than 24 every time, 24, 29, 31, 32 in the homer department, 40 doubles every single season. Uh, the only guys who have done this four years in a row, the numbers he's done in the same category as the Keno and Pujols. Um, so gets his run scored, manufactures runs, plays the game right. So uh, listen, he's a top player. There's no question about it. Um, for Med fans, uh, there was a Cespedes sighting on the uh, golf course. So he must be feeling good because he's out swinging the golf clubs again. So that's a good sign. I think that's a I think that's a good sign. So I know someone today who was playing behind Cespedes. So um, early this morning. So that's a good sign. And they said he was killing the ball. That he looked like he was in very good shape. So I think that's not a negative. I think that's a positive that he's out playing golf. Tells you that he's back on his game because he likes to play golf. And there's nothing wrong with him playing golf. A baseball player in shape on an off day, golf is not going to hurt him. That's all there is to it. It's just not even on a hot day like today. And I played this morning, and this morning at ten o'clock or nine thirty, it felt like it was three o'clock in the afternoon. You know, in the summer on a hot day like yesterday, you can't. You know, it, you're dripping. It's the humidity's like a hundred percent. It's like uh, you can't get a breath. The, nothing's moving, and you felt like that this morning at like nine o'clock. The sun was just blazing. All right. I mean, and I like hot weather, but today was a very, very hot morning. This morning even rained a little bit uh, at times, a couple times, but didn't even cool off. As a matter of fact, it got hotter after that. So, uh, but I think that's a, a positive that he's out playing from that standpoint. So, a um, lot going on, a lot of rumblings going on with the NFL, a lot of stuff going on, obviously, uh, with Woody Johnson, a lot of rumblings about him. Uh, doesn't mean any of it sticks, but, you know, a lot of stuff that can be annoying uh, from that standpoint. Uh, and we are now one day away. So tomorrow night, uh, baseball is back. Yes, you want to call it opening day. All right. You know, listen, it is. It's not going to have the pageantry. I think it's just a sense of relief that it's back. And it's still a little strange. I don't like the rule changes. The fans will be missed. It's funny. I, I I miss them more. I miss the ambiance more at Saratoga where there's nobody in the building. I miss that. That emptiness seems more stark to me than watching the baseball game does on TV. Uh, because that's so vibrant and it looks dead right now. Uh, listen, they're running the races as a horse owner. You're glad they're running the races. You're glad they're running uh, for purses. You're glad that they're operating the sport. Um, it's a positive. Um, and so will baseball be a positive. I don't like the, even for charity, I don't like the cutouts at all. What I would do is I would make it a contest. Here's what I would do. I would have, if it were my team, In all those rows, I would put pictures of players who played on the team through the years, no names, and have contests where, you know, at a given time, we'll put the name, we'll put the guy's picture up. And some of these guys, remember, they're not all going to be Mickey Mantle. 
You know, some they're going to be some obscure guys there. You know, you're going to see uh, Rich McKinney. You're going to see uh, Celerino Sanchez. You're going to see uh, guys who you know, uh, you know, who are on the team. Dooley Womack, okay, um, and put each guy's picture for whatever team it is. Now the Yankees are a little different because they're a little more famous, but any team. And that's what I would fill in with. I'd put all the pictures of ex-players in there and then uh, have contests during the game where you take, you know, here you go, name this play. You know, you can put it on social media and have some fun with it. I understand on some teams what they're doing is uh, they charge a fee and the money goes to charity. Anytime the money goes to charity, you know it's a good thing. But I just, to me, it's, it doesn't work. All right. The only one who gets anything out of that is the one person who knows that person. That's it. That is the, you know, other than that, the, the two or three people who know that one person, that's it. It's like no one else who's watching the game gets anything out of it because they don't know who the people are. So if you put old players, some famous, some obviously that would be known by sight, some more modern, some older. But in the, let's say the Mets, the Mets history, yeah, a lot of obscure players in those early years. You can have some fun with that. You know, I just think it's a nice uh, production element that I would, I, so that's what I would do with the stands there, uh, just to have a little fun and add a little something to the game. Putting uh, fans there only works for the people who recognize that one person. Otherwise, like I said, no one else gets anything out of it. Casamigos Tequila, as always, as we said, brings you the program. Calls. We'll get to them. The rest of the show, all calls. No guests tonight, just calls. Whatever topic's on your mind, obviously a lot of it will be baseball. We're one day away, back after this. Baseball is always about pitching health, pitching death, pitching efficiency. It's never been different, never will be different. And in this crazy season where pitches are in different levels of shape where pitching rosters have been expanded and will be expanded, where you'll play 60 games in 66 days, it'll be even more so than in the past. So it is always about pitching health, pitching depth, pitching efficiency. That never changes. It will be even more so this year. And the teams that can overcome that are the teams that will have success. Obviously, there's other parts of the game, but still, it's never been about anything else. It never will be about anything else. The Mets announced just now, uh, here's the release. The Mets today announced that the club has placed Marcus Stroman on the injured list with a muscle tear in his left calf, and and calf muscles are very tricky. In addition, the Mets have placed uh, Gesellman on the injured list with a right tricep with right tricep tightness. Again, pitching health, pitching depth, pitching efficiency. Um, two key guys. You've, the Mets have already lost Syndergaard. Stroman's a very key guy for them. Gesellman is a very key guy for them. Lugo is a very key guy for them. Patances could be the most critical guy of all. I'm not a believer in Diaz. And, you know, it's funny. I've told you from the beginning I wouldn't have brought Diaz back. I would have got rid of him. When the Mets talked to us about it, when I talked to them about it before the season 
you know, went haywire and everything went haywire, they were committed to him. If you notice, the manager has not committed to him. Now, I still think he'll be the first one out of the box, but he has not verbally committed to him as the closer. I still think he will be right out of the box. The first game that they have to save, it'll be him. If it's not, then they, I question why they even brought him back. But I don't believe he's going to. I think there are guys who are made for New York and guys who aren't made for New York. We see them all the time. They pitch really well or perform really well. Elsewhere, they come here, they can't do it, they leave, they do it again. Some guys just can't play here. Now, this kid put up enormous numbers in Seattle. And then last year, he didn't have a bad year. He had an insanely unbelievable, I mean, it was so bad, it's almost scary how bad it was. I mean, this guy, he just detonated so many games. Gave up so many ninth-inning home runs. Was so bad in the clutch that I just don't believe he's going to change that and just wipe all that away. Let's see what happens. Now the Mets need Stroman and Ika Selman, especially need Stroman. They start the season without them again. This year, with the way the schedule is, with the way the rosters are, with what you're going to ask of pitchers, Pitching health, pitching depth, pitching efficiency, even more than ever, is going to be at the top of the list. Vinny and Tom's River starts us off. What's up, Vinny? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. What's happening? Okay. Uh, can I ask you a personal question before I ask you a baseball question? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Now, I know you had double knee replacements. No, I have now, one I, knee. I, I had one knee replacement twenty years ago. Well, one I, left. I've never had my right knee replaced. I had my left replaced twenty years ago. All right, because I had both mine done in two thousand nine. I am not happy with it. Are you happy with yours? Yes, very happy. And it, like I said, I had it twenty years ago, and it's never given me a problem. I've been knock on wood. Um, my right was always my worst, and my left, my left deteriorated. They uh, and I had 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 I had no blood to the bone, so they had to take it out at a young age. Um, they usually don't last twenty years. Mine has lasted, so that's why I knock on wood because they usually don't last twenty years. Um, hey, if you if you did your rehab right, um, unless they you just got unlucky, it should be okay. But hey, just keep working at it. Just keep doing your work and and doing your uh, rehab stuff and and the stuff that they tell you to do, and you'll be all right. Yeah, but what happens now? They want to replace them because they're loose. Oh, that's a that's a problem. That's a, that's an unlucky thing. They're both that way. That's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah, one uh, in the, one uh, in the up and down uh, direction, the other one's uh, in the lateral direction. I wish you oh, well. I, I wish you Thank well. You. But, now, all, right, all right, go ahead. What's on your mind? The baseball question is, uh, you know Maggie in the morning, okay? All she ever talks about is diversity with the Mets, with J-Lo as compared to with uh, Steve Cohen. Well, does anybody realize that Steve Cohen's wife is Puerto Rican? And uh, not, not, none, of, none of that matters. Listen. Well, no, it doesn't. Uh, it, it does. It does it, listen, I, I understand what, and I, I didn't hear her say this, but I understand the idea of the fact that A-Rod and J-Lo, and remember, Rapoli, Vinny Viola would be very big parts of that ownership group. 
I understand that baseball would like to have A-Rod and J-Lo as a front for a New York baseball team because it does look good from a diversity uh, element. But what it's about for the Met fan is getting a guy in there who's going to make the right decisions, who's going to hire the right people, and who's got enough money to go get the people they need. Um, there's more than one group that can, can do that. None of them are guaranteed. There's no owner, no matter who it is, even if, they, even if Steve Cohn with all his money gets the team, and I think you got to make him the heavy favorite to get the team. There's none of them that even A-Rod. Listen, just because you have an ex-player involved in the management of a team doesn't make the team automatically win. How much does Jordan want? So it's not automatic. None of it's automatic. Even if he has, even if you get a guy who's the richest guy as an owner in the sport, and you keep hearing that the owners, the other owners are fearful of the tactics of Stevie Cohen, that he's going to be a guy who's going to push up the prices and it's going to be really hard to deal with and he's going to, you know, go out and, and, and you know, just give everybody a fortune. You know, the, the great fear of that is going to break the system. And you know what? Maybe he would. Maybe he would. But you don't know if he's going to do that. George Steinbrenner was the guy who went out and was the most active as a guy in terms of free agency, and he was not anywhere near at any point the wealthiest owner on paper. Not anywhere near. Some of the teams that are the most frugally run are owned by the richest men. So it's just a state of mind. That's all it is. Now, you can have an owner that doesn't have the money. That's different. But if you have the money, it doesn't mean you're going to spend it. There have been many wealthy, wealthy owners who have not spent money in free agency. The Mets are a little trickier from a bunch of different reasons. And right now, they have some issues that have to be dealt with as far as the day-to-day operation. That stuff can be fixed by a good operator very, very quickly. Whether that's a Rapoli, whether that's a Stevie Cohen, guys like that can fix that in a hurry. But, you know, they have to have still the right people in place because what it comes down to more than anything else is procuring, scouting, and finding young talent. You can go out and get a couple of free agents. You can be aggressive in free agency. You still have to go out and get young players. You have to scout young players. You got to get young players. What did the Yankees do? The Yankees, who are the Yankees? What did they do? They said, we're going to get younger. We're going to do better at scouting. We're going to go out and get young players. And that's what they did. That's what they did. They, got, they said, we're not going to do it this way anymore. We're going to change. And they have. They got far more involved internationally. They got far more involved in different areas of scouting, and they've done that. So all of that is important, and putting the right guy to run the organization is important. But one guy does not automatically 
make it a situation where he's, you know, you're, you're on easy street and now you're going to win big. It doesn't work that way. Iron Staten Island, what's up, Iron? Hey, what's happening? Hey, what's happening, Mike? How are you? Good, what's happening? Um, so, you know, we've been on the same page with Jamal Adams, and I'm sure you've seen the Woody uh, Johnson remarks. You know what? You know, I, I am so tired of, uh, of the media oh. running to Adams for every single thing that goes on with the Jets. Like, he all of a sudden is the, is the face, the voice, and the reason for the Jets. That's it. I mean, it's such nonsense. It is ridiculous. He has not earned that right to be that. A hundred percent. But now with him basically calling out the owner, he is not. If I was the owner, he is not stepping another foot into my facility. No, listen. If I'm Woody Johnson after what he said, I'm not paying him. I'm not, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell him to get rid of him. That's all there is to it. Listen, he's, he's embarrassed the Jets so many times. The Jets look foolish not having already sent them packing. They, they, they should have done it already. Because he, he has embarrassed the franchise. They don't need him. What they need to say is, we don't need this player. And, folks, I promise you this. When you think, oh, we can't get rid of this player, the player will do the same thing to another team. They always do. I heard how the Steelers couldn't live without Brown. Okay, where's Brown now? They couldn't live. They could. They they couldn't live. The Giants couldn't live without Beckham. Beckham's. What has he done in Cleveland? It gets worse. It doesn't get better with these guys. It gets worse. It never gets only, better. The only bad problem for the Jets. I mean, like I said, you got to get rid of them. I would do it in the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours. But the value was not there. Listen, right. I'm not giving them away. I'm not giving them away. Uh, someone's going someone's to have to pay me for him. But here's the problem. They've put themselves in such a hole now where people know they have to get rid of him. Of course, but, but Mike, if you come on, you're you know you've been in business a long time. How do you let him in your building and and participate in the practice if he even shows up? I, he's talking about me as the owner of a business, and I'm going to let him play with my team and practice with my team. I can't do it. I'm going to and, and I'm going to pay him too. Which is absurd. You, you, you just cut bait, you know, cut your losses. Just get rid of this guy because, you know what, he's turned into a cancer. He'll never, he will never, it will never get better with him. It will only get worse because he has decided. And you know what? A lot of the media has helped him. They, yeah. It's this idea that he isn't part of the problem. He's part, that he's the only good thing about the team, and he isn't responsible for the losses. He's only responsible for the couple of wins. He's only he's not responsible for any nonsense. They're sixteen and thirty-two with him here. They can do that without him. It, it, it's a hundred percent right. Listen, you know what? They should have traded him last year when they didn't want to talk to Gates and Douglas before the Dolphin game at the end of October. They could have got a higher price then than they're going to get right now. I, I agree, Ira. Uh, you bite the bullet and you move on. That's all there is to it. And what worries me about the Jets is they don't have two things that you have to have right now to be good. They don't have a pass rush and they don't have an explosive receiver. And you need both. In this game now, the way this game is played, you have to have both. They have neither. They have good run stoppers. They don't have any bona fide, can rely on it, pass rushes. And 
they hope they had one that they drafted last year. They'll, they'll hope that that changes. It wasn't there last year. Uh, but you cannot, in this league right now, play without a quarterback. Never can play without a quarterback, especially in this day and age. A pass rush, it's about passing the ball and attacking the passer. You have to do both. And they don't have either one right now, and that's a problem. It's a bit, It's a very big problem. They have not uh, – listen, I like the idea they made the offensive line better, but to not have either of those things is a huge problem. Back after this. All right, we're back. Let's get to some calls. Uh, Norman Peekskill, what's up, Norm? How are you? Good, Norm. What's happening? Big, big Mets fan. Um, uh, for the Mets to have a fighting chance this year, do you think they need to possibly start maybe the Grom, maybe uh, two extra starts? I mean, we don't want to kill him or nothing like that. But but I'm going to stop and listen. I, I don't think that makes it. I, I don't think that you, you can't. There's nothing you can do with him. You can't. You can't abuse him. You know, you, you you're going to get his. You're going to get the regular amount of his thoughts out of him. That's all. I mean, you're going. The Grom's going to pitch like he normally pitches. That's all. You can't do more than that. It's it's not the way starting pitchers are set up anymore. And, you know, DeGrom has got to be who he is. They need Stroman to fill in. You know, they need Matt to mature. Obviously, they don't have Syndergaard. You know, we've all we've all maligned Syndergaard at times. He hasn't lived up to everything that we thought he would be. But he does have a lot of ability. And he does leave a void. But they do have talent in that bullpen, and it has to come to the fore. If it doesn't, they're going to have a long— Listen, the Mets are going to have—I think Cespedes is going to hit. I think Cespedes sees green, and he's going to hit. Like I said, him being on the golf course is a positive. That's a positive. But he's out and he's active is a positive. When Cespedes was dominating for the Mets, he was playing golf every morning— across the North Shore of Long Island every single morning. So that's a good thing that he's out there playing golf again. Looks good. They told me he looked like he was in really good shape. They said, hey, he looked terrific. I had friends who followed him. They played behind him today, and they said he really looked good. He looked like he was in good shape. He was killing the ball. That's a positive for him. That's when he's on. That's when he's doing what he likes to do athletically. Is when he's out there playing golf in the morning, then playing baseball in the afternoon or night. Mike in Ridgewood, what's up, Mike? Hey, Mike, how are you? How's your, Good. Hope your family's doing well. Good. What's happening? Um, uh, just a quick question about the upcoming baseball season. You had mentioned, you know, Diaz maybe not being built for New York, which I, I think you're probably right on. And and um, you know, there's been other guys that have been that way. You know, it's questions about staying, but do you? think that because there's going to be no fans in the stands and that you know the season's going to feel so different that that same kind of pressure of playing here is going to be there? It's a good question. It's a very legitimate question. Uh, part of New York being New York is the fans in the building. Um, I don't know how it's going to impact players. I really don't. Uh, negatively or positively. But you raise a really good question. I mean, is that part of his problem? Was that part of his problem? Um, 
I mean, to me, to me, what happened was to listen. To me, what happened with him last year was he came here. He wanted to prove he was one of the really great relievers, which he had been in Seattle. He got off to a bad start. He probably pressed. Then he probably lost confidence. And then he just always seemed to make the wrong pitch at the wrong time. You know, whether it was either putting a fastball and missing three or four inches with it and put it in the wrong spot or hanging the slider. I mean, so, hey, that can change. We know it can change. I just think so much of being a top reliever is mental. So much of being a top reliever is like being a good corner in the NFL. You're going to get burned. You have to just ignore it and the next day come out and still think, I'm the best. Yeah, I gave up a home run last night, but I'm still the best. And I think that's the mentality you have to bring to to it. You know, we watched the greatest of all time all those years, and the one thing about him was he wasn't infallible, but he was unflappable. If he gave up a big hit or gave up a home run, you never noticed it. I mean, that's it. He just was right there the next day. And that's how you have to be. You have to basically be able to just turn the page. And I don't think he ever turned the page. George in Manhattan. What's up, George? Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Hey, I, I just wanted to a uh, little defense of Jamal. Um, as far as, you know, as far as the record of the team doesn't always indicate, you know, how great a player is. I, I wanted to mention. How is he uh, a great player? How is he a great player? What, tell me well, what he did that showed you that he's a great player. I mean, they use him all over the field. Well, tell me, what, what, what is it that you saw that tells me he's a great player? If I, if, now, a year into his career when Lawrence Taylor was on the field, I saw a great player. You could tell he was a great player. He stood out. He was better than everybody else. What have you seen from Adams that has – tell me where he's changed games. Tell me where he's made – he's you know well, been dominant in what way. I don't see any of that. He's a good player. I mean, on, he's a good – he's a good player. He could be a really good player, but he's not a game – to me, that's not a guy that is ever going to be a guy who just completely dominates a, a, a defense. It doesn't work that way. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to game plan where you're going to say, listen, we don't stop him. He's going to wreck our whole offensive game plan. I mean, I think a lot of the reason why people want to defend him, he's been, you know, a top player on the defense and he does a lot of different things very well. And and Williams can use him in in a lot of different ways that frees up other, other ways to use other players. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, Adams has gotten, he wasn't a problem for two years. And all of a sudden, with Gase, there was a problem there. I think a lot of Jets fans, uh, you know, you know, are looking at the. If you own the team, if you own the team, would you allow him to talk to you that way? You paid his salary. Would you allow him to do that to you? I didn't hear everything today, but I know uh, whatever a tweet. I I didn't see exactly what. Well, how about when he just forget today? Even how about when he said that he wanted a new deal to play for the Jets, but didn't need a new deal to play for other teams? Yeah, it sounds like he's almost tossing in the towel with the Jets. And, yeah, and, I don't want I, that guy on my team. I'm trying to rebuild. I'm trying to build something here. I don't need him. To, I don't. To me, he's a complete negative. I don't need him here with that. I, I, I tell you right now, they're terrible. They're not good now. 
They got a long way to go to be good. I, I'm trying to build something here. I don't need him going. See, to me, people get worried about trading those guys. And I'm telling you, those guys, 99% of the time, cause the same problems on the next team they're on. I said that to people about Brown, about Beckham. What has happened with those guys? Where's Brown now? Out of the league. Where's Beckham now? On his way probably to his third team. What happens? These guys, it doesn't end with one team. It happens on the next team. Yeah, but Jamal wouldn't compare to Beckham. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that. He, he could be the same kind of guy. I don't know that. I really don't. I think what he thinks is he separates himself where I'm not part of the issue here. I'm good and the rest of these guys think. That's, I think that's how he treats it. I'm good and these guys think. I mean, Williams seems to obviously like him a lot because, you know, of his versatility in, in you know, covering or, uh, you know, getting to the quarterback. That's because Williams never minds undermining uh, the rest of the franchise anyway himself. He's, an, he's one of those kind of defensive coordinators. He doesn't mind undermining the rest of the team. It's, you know, it's, you know a guy like him is a hard sell, too, because, you know, can he coach? Yes. Does he always make... The whole team stronger, eh, you know that. Uh, listen, I don't think the head coach is a strong head coach. I, I think yeah. he's. Uh, I don't think he's done a good job. As a matter of fact, sometimes last year I wondered what the heck he was doing. Okay, so I, I, I I'm not saying all Adams' uh, comments are wrong, but do I think it's going to get better? With him, I don't. I think it's going. I think it's going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get better. So I think sooner or later you're going to have to bite the bullet anyway, because I don't think it's going to get better with him. I think you're going to have to send them back in. And I guarantee you, write it down. He'll have problems on the next team. I told people that about Beckham. What happened? He wasn't in Cleveland two months before he was in trouble or having trouble with the franchise. He's already talked about going with his next franchise. And Brown's out of the league. John and Wayne, what's up, John? Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good. What's happening? Yeah, a long time. I hate to switch the subject to golf uh, because it's three days later. But, yeah, go ahead. What's up? Um, I'm sure you watched the memorial. I did. And the end. Yes. And I've been playing for 45 years. Yep. And let me tell you something. If I'm in a situation like that, my first focus is putting the club behind the ball. Listen. The bottom line is this. Here's what's completely wrong with golf, and I said this after it happened. Number one, you have a marshal playing, walking with that group. If he doesn't see the infraction, now we're not talking about cheating here, okay? If you see a guy cheating after the fact, you disqualify him. He moves the ball. He does something like that. This is a case of Rom not knowing what people, if they don't realize, Rom makes an incredible shot. Okay, out of the rough. And it turns out that when he placed the club behind the ball, the, the ball oscillated and may have slightly moved. Here's what's wrong with this. Number one, you cannot have someone call that infraction who's not there. Number two, you have to tell him before the round's over that he could be sitting on a two-stroke penalty. How about if he had come to 18 and 
he had a two-stroke lead, and he decided, uh, you know what, I'm going to lay up here because I can play for a bogey. And then they, then the uh, guy who was second got a birdie, and now they're in a playoff. And he says, I didn't know I was only uh, – I thought I was three strokes ahead or four strokes ahead. I didn't realize I was two strokes ahead. I mean, you got to tell him. You can't tell him the fact after the fact that you're going to penalize him two strokes for something that happened on the 16th hole. I think golf has got this so screwed up it's ridiculous. I really do. You have a marshal with the group. If he didn't see it, then you know what? Tough luck. You move on. I, I totally agree, but you and I play golf, and the first thing you do in that situation is look at your ball when you place the club behind it. Listen, he didn't even know that he that the ball had moved. He, you know, when he had the ball... At the moment when he had the club behind the ball, he was looking at the hole, and he didn't see that the ball moved a little bit. The ball moved so little. You needed, it moved so, such a small amount. You needed slow motion to see the ball move. You got a guy. You got, you know, and I don't believe golf should ever allow anybody at home to, 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 in any way, legislate what's going on thousands and thousands of miles away. That is ridiculous that that goes on in golf. It's mindless that it goes on. You have somebody with that group. Now, if after the fact you see the guy blatantly cheat, that's a different story. This wasn't cheating. He didn't know he did it. I understand, and I, and I, and I believe him. But well, it, clearly he didn't know he did it. You could tell he didn't know he did it. I'm I'm happy for him, believe me. And wait, but what is your what is your point though? I'm missing your point. What is your point? My point was I think he may have seen it. Oh, you think he knew he did it? I don't believe that. I uh, you All you right, could tell by the way you, you you could tell by the way they asked him about it after the fact he was stunned. He didn't know what they were talking about. Um okay, and and that's fine. See, to me that's where golf is out of line. First of all, you have to inform him. When are you going to inform him? The next day? After he signs his card? I mean, it's ridiculous. How about if you got a guy, what is the guy following that group supposed to be doing if he isn't there watching what they do? I understand that, but it happened to Dustin Johnson at Whistling. That's different. That's different. Dustin Johnson, they changed the rule on grounding the club in the waste bunker. They put a notice in every locker that morning, and Dustin Johnson and his brother never saw the, never saw the notice. That was a different situation. That was on them. They put a written notice in the locker that day. It was unfortunate what happened, but Dustin Johnson didn't realize that they were going to legislate the waste bunkers differently and treat them like traps instead of treat them like waste bunkers. And he, that day, they put a notice in the locker and said that they were changing the way they were going to treat the waste bunkers. They were going to treat them like sand traps. And Dustin Johnson and his brother, who are not, you know, the most buttoned-down guys did not notice it. Did not notice the notice in their locker that day. That's on them. Everybody else knew. So that one I can't get upset about. But I am completely against letting people at home sitting there 
playing it back and forth on their television in slow motion and then calling into the truck and then having the truck look at it and then turning it over to the officials and then say, oh, look at this. I mean, come on. You have a guy there with the group. When that group leaves that hole, if you don't call the infraction on him, and I'm not talking about cheating, if he did something blatant, took an illegal drop, moved his ball, anything like that, that's a different story. You, you disqualify him for, for the tournament. There's no way... You could tell by the way he answered it after he was uh, told after the one, hey, you realize they're looking at a penalty on 16. He was like, for what? He didn't even realize it. And I mean, and to me, if you got a marshal there and he doesn't see it, game's over. Move on. I hate when they do that. Imagine if they did that in another sport. Imagine if you said, hey, you know, wait a second. I think we missed the penalty here in the Super Bowl. We're going to call it in and change it, you know, 10 minutes later. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. Back after this. Tomorrow we'll take you into the Yankee game. We'll be with you at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. So a big night, obviously. You're all excited. I know about that. So everybody is. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program. Brought to you by those who drink it. Let me get one more call in before we say goodbye. Chris in Jersey. What's up, Chris? Mike? Yes, Chris. Oh, hey. Um, real quick, I just want to get your opinion on something. Um, what are your thoughts on baseball allowing uh, superimposed advertisements um, behind the pitcher's mound? Um, I remember, you know, years ago, you and Chris, you know, went bananas when they were going to put, like, spider webs um, on the baseball. I'm, I'm completely against it. Uh, you know what? There has to be. I understand they got to have signage. I don't even mind the things, the changeable signs behind the behind the uh, plate from the center field camera, the changeable screens that they have, okay? But enough's enough. Nothing on the field, nothing on the players' uniforms. I mean, do you have to sell and billboard everything? Can you have a little integrity? You have enough room in the stadium. You have enough place in the stadium for signage. You can, through the center field camera, you can put it on the, on the sliding screen behind home plate. You got plenty of places to do it. Enough's enough. I mean, so I am, I am completely opposed to it. Right, and if I could, I mean... I mean, I totally agree. Like, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan, but, you know, watching a game, you get one angle, and then they show another angle. There's a green screen behind the player, you know. Uh, I mean, when does the game stop being a game? When is it just a production and a video game? Oh, you know, I, I think, I think we're heading. I, listen, the only, remember this. Remember this, Chris. The only reason they came back this year and went through all this trouble is because the networks, their TV partners, desperately needed them to come back and start the ball rolling again so that they right. could get going. I mean, ESPN comes out last, last week, the, uh, the other night, hey, we did a poll that shows fans are even more excited about sports and want sports back even more than before. What do you think they were going to come up with a poll that said less? They're in the business of sports. That's their business. You think they're going to tell you sports is, no, hey, you know what, amazingly, we did a poll and nobody wants sports back. You think ESPN's going to tell you that? I mean, their business is sports. They've been dying to get back. And the, the 
networks who are the lifeblood of professional sports leagues, they write the checks, and they said, we need inventory. We need you to get back. And then the sports tried everything they could to get back so that the ball could roll. You know what? No one's had anything. Look, you know, TV networks, radio networks, they've had nothing to put on. You know, they need product. Now they have product again. So on top of that, you don't have the money that you're going to generate from fans in the stadium, which in baseball is about $4 billion a year in ticket sales and secondary and tertiary parking, concessions, etc. It's over $4 billion a year in baseball. So they're going to do anything they can. They would sell anything they could think of right now to make a buck. That's how desperate they are to make a buck. It starts tomorrow. We'll start it with you at 6. Have a good evening. We'll see you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.